0: Hello, Annie Trenders. Welcome to The Girl Taku, hosted by the Ladies of Anime Trending. We are back with a- another fun topic on the table. My name is Gracie, and I'm joined by
1: Hello, my name is Isabel, and this is Agnes.
0: So, without further ado, The Girl Taku today will be about anime that has either taught us something or made us look further into Japanese culture. Um, I think one of the best parts about anime as a whole is there are obviously a lot of cultural elements from the country embedded within the stories and just learning things about the cultural context of a lot of the anime and a lot of stories has really helped widened um, the view of of the world as a whole, Um, at least for me growing up, uh, growing up in a southern state. There, uh, a lot of people down here were not so familiar with um, Asian cultures and um, how we lived and sort of the things we did, and so. Um, anime has sort of become a window to that other side for a lot of people down here, which is alongside of all the, a lot of other countries as well, like K-pop, which is really, really amazing. But it's not just for people who aren't in within the Asian ethnicities. It's actually even for people within the Asian ethnicities, because I personally am not Japanese and I have learned quite a bit in regards to uh, Japanese culture or because of anime, learned quite a bit of Japanese culture from it. So the two anime that I picked today, the first one is one called Dagashikashi, and I don't think there was an English name for it. This one was aired, I think, in 2018 of winter, maybe a little before that, in all honesty. It's not a big anime, and it's not like an anime that I'm particularly emotional towards or fond of because I because it, it was slice of life and there was like a bit of fan service involved which is not a big deal at this point from how long I've watched anime I've gotten quite used to it but the thing that like did stand out to me in regards to that, that did get my interest peaked was uh its focus on Japanese candies um which was a lot more fun and interesting than I expected I when I would think of candies I usually just think of rappers and like, you know, and it tastes good and it's fun for kids. But, uh, but the candies shown in Dagashikashi also included stuff like uh, common activities that you would have in Matsuris and, um, you know, and why those things are fun and stuff like that. So that was really unexpected for me. And it, despite this anime, like not being something of importance importance to me ultimately. It did actually teach me a dose of Japanese culture that I just was not expecting. Do you guys uh remember this anime at all? I know it was not a big deal when it was getting aired.
1: Yeah I definitely knew it wasn't gonna be a big deal but I decided to pick it up too and I thought it was super cute. I really liked watching each episode and honestly some of them were nostalgic to me because some of the candies I recognized and I was like, "Oh, I forgot oh, about that." As a kid, I oh, used that's to really eat that. Interesting. Yeah, because some of the some of the uh, candies they would actually sell at Asian supermarkets. So I would go and get them. Right.
0: Ah. <gasps> oh. <gasps> That makes a lot of sense. Oh, I'm so glad that you actually watched it. I really did not think any of you two would have watched it. So the fact that you have is like really exciting for me. Yeah, it was, it was a decent anime. I mean, there wasn't anything bad, particularly bad or good about it, which is, you know, unfortunately when things, when something is okay, it doesn't get noticed as much or remembered as much mm-hmm. because it was just sort of in the middling ground. But yeah, a lot of the candy things was really interesting. One of my favorite uh, episodes or like one of the information that I learned from the episode was when they were at the festival and it was like, um, one of the activities was there were like little cutouts within like sugar and you would have to like use a little toothpick or a a little pick at the very least to, uh, Best to cut out the figure within, like the sugar block, as best as you could to win and to win an award. And I was like, that's really fun. And I didn't think that was actually candy, you know. Like, and that I mean, that explains why you're able to use like a toothpick or a pick to, you know, to cut out the little figurines and stuff like that because it's sugar, so it's easier to crack it at the end of the day. But, um, but that was like one of the little fun tidbits that I really enjoyed. Another thing that in Daga Shikashi that I really liked was um its mention of how there are like games and there are uh there are games in like sort of like prizes within the candy bars. And that was unique to me because of the fact that I think I'm more used to like finding toys or like little winning stuff within cereal boxes. I think that's more of a thing here in the U S but I don't think using like candy wrappers and like looking through like a little pieces of candy for these sort of little treasures is as common. So that was another fun little thing that I didn't know, like, Like, it wasn't a joke. Like, you genuinely could win little prizes from just eating these candies and getting a candy wrapper or if you guys remember in anime, sometimes when they're eating a popsicle and then the popsicle stick shows like, you know, whether you're a winner or not. And I was like, Oh, that's actually a thing. And like, and it's like really popular. And I thought that was really, really cool. And so it was just these small things like that, um, that I thought was just a little nice drop of, uh, whimsicality in regards to Japanese culture that is, you know, kind of similar in regards to like cereal box prizes, but also a little different, um, in regards to, uh, just overall culture. And so, yeah, I thought that was just really fun I am really curious though Isabel because the only the only candy in there that I really saw was uh which technically isn't really a candy candy but Ramune was mentioned obviously in the anime and that's the only one I was really familiar with because the Asian markets where I live is mostly dominated by Chinese cuisine so um it was very much Chinese candies that I saw a lot than Japanese candies so I'm really curious like you know which ones where Um, in the anime featured like did you see that like you were used to seeing in supermarkets do you remember at all
1: oh i can't there's like a couple that i don't know what it's called like the little circle things that they're talking about but uh i feel like they showed uh those like sakura drops or those drop candies it's also in grave of the fireflies uh yeah that was super throwback
0: so those things were just like at your Asian supermarkets and stuff. <laughs> yeah, they
1: were. They might not have been like Japanese. They might have been, you know, Chinese or something like that, but you know, it's like see. the same uh-huh. comps concept and stuff like that, or um I think they also refeatured. I'm just looking it up now, but like uh the baby star ramen, the little ramen <gasps> pieces. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like those a lot as I was a kid too. And not only that, they came with like wrappers like in the store. They would have like Ooh, ten of them all together. You have to rip one, like, rip one. So I feel like that doesn't really exist for other foods. It's not worry like little packets. Like it's it's totally made for kids to just say like, "Hey, mom or dad, I want that," and then rip it off or something. So
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. were you ever lucky? Did you get like a little reward treasure thing?
1: <laughs> no, unfortunately not. I don't really remember the candies for that. It was more just for eating for me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So I guess like Agnes, like were you pretty aware of Japanese candies where, when you were growing up? Because once again, I'm mostly familiar with like the Chinese candies because that's just the most dominant of the Ch- Asian food were, with where I grew up.
2: <laughs>
0: uh, no, I wasn't because
2: I was not a big sweets eater in general. Oh, so are, I are like-
0: you still not a big sugar person? or
2: No, because sugar, sugar, uh, excess sugar, especially like in American sweets, causes migraines for me. So ah. I, I have always had an aversion towards anything super sugary. So I never really gravitated, like, I understood people's cravings for sugar,
0: mm-hmm. for candy
2: and things like that, but I never, like, if I go to a store, I will never impulsively buy, uh, like candy off of a rack. So it, it's, it's never, Japanese candy has never really crossed my mind. The only thing that I know of, but it's probably not Japanese, is just haichu, and that's about it. Okay.
0: <laughs> but I understand,
2: uh-huh. like, the relevancy of, like, this anime showcasing these, these goods that you recognize in your store, and you feel like you're just a little bit closer to hmm. that. And I guess, like, in a way, like, you know, um, you'll see, like, anime characters, like, folding, like, paper cranes or stuff like that. Yes, And, yes. and I, I grew up, this is not food-related, but I grew up next to Daiso, one of Japan's, like, leading, um, mm, yes. like, Dollar Tree stores uh, in my neighborhood, and I would remember buying so much origami paper to just fold it like the characters in anime. So I understand that sentiment being like, wow, I am one step closer in understanding Japanese culture and becoming a full weeb.
0: (laughs) (sighs) yeah no I think yeah I think I really did appreciate that anime for that little whimsical part of the candies and stuff and I just thought it was really fun it was really cool and it's sometimes it's the small things uh in regards to a culture that I find just you know that you just find really really charming and so that was one of the ones that I found charming uh the second anime is actually not a good anime I'm gonna say that right off the bat but it did actually lead to me learning a lot of stuff so it's Ikebukuru Westgate Park Yes, (laughs) <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh,
2: yes <laughs> the series that I hoped was going to be good but
0: was not good. Yeah, it was I unfortunately it was a bad anime, but the silver lining that did come out of it was I did learn a lot about a uh, about gain activities um, or what is considered gain activities in Japan. And sort of like the history behind it because of Ikebukuru Westgate Park. Because I was interested in it at first just because I thought, you know, mysteries. And overall, I really like mystery anime. But my roommate, who is Japanese-American, was genuinely interested in it. And after the disappointing of a few episodes, first few episodes, she obviously dropped in. I'm a glutton for punishment. So I clearly just kept watching it even though it was terrible and it never got better. So... Basically, people who are all listening do not watch that anime. But with that being said, she did explain to me why she was really curious about it because it is based on a novel, which there is a live action movie made out of it, which apparently the live live action movie was really, really good. And it was essentially speaking about a period of time where Ikebukuro and a lot of other areas had a lot of gang activities and it was extraordinarily dangerous and sort of like, you know, the clothes they wore were color coded. They all like, you know, part part of the gang activities was to cause noise disruptions. So, you know. Motorcycles. And this is why in Tokyo Revengers as well, a lot of the gang, uh, a lot of the members within the gangs are riding motorcycles because it's purposefully used to cause mischief because noise is a very, very big deal for Japan in regards to civility and peacefulness. And um, and that and obviously motorcycles are very, very loud. And and so she told me a lot about that era within uh, within Japan. And uh, I mean, Ikebukuro is no longer like this, but it definitely was a, a hub of a lot of bad activities like that. And then that sort of led me into a rabbit hole of, uh, you know, reading about what it's like currently and how they're kind of tied sometimes to Yakuza activities, but not quite. Um, there is a distinction between those two. And it also led me to an Asian boss video, which is actually my favorite part of like how I dived into this and became a researcher for, or, or started researching for it was an Asian boss video about, a, a someone who used to be part of a gang and he is now a, uh, he is now a single father. And, um, and it basically told about how, like, you know, he got involved with the gang and sort of the activities they did. And, It was a lot more tamer than I expected because they weren't like at least the way he was describing it in the video was that he like they weren't actually breaking into anything or stealing things. And definitely no guns involved, which is unfortunately, at least for all three of us in the U.S., the first thing we think of with a lot of gang activities is gun violence. Buying buying a gun is is like a hundred times harder in Japan, so that's obviously not a thing for them. So it was a lot about like creating a lot of noises and fighting other members of the gangs, literally using like fist and kicking and like, you know, bats sometimes and causing a lot of disruptances that way. And, um, and, you know, he talked about how some people would have to take the fall for others who are higher up in the hierarchy of the gangs and, you know, and how he ended up, you know, uh, I think he actually, it's been a while since I watched the video, but I think he did end up going to jail and then came back out and decided to not go back in again. And so, um, and and essentially starting a family and becoming a single father, and so it was just a really interesting life story, and it's it's like shades of gain activities that don't resemble what we are familiar as gain activity here in the US at all. And then there are shades of them that are very similar. And I just find the whole aspect of gain activities being so different yet so similar at the same time, just fascinating and really just a showcase of how like similar things can crop up in different cultures, but have different shades of coloring. And so, and so, yeah, so that was, uh, so that one also led me into a bit of a cultural rabbit hole within Japan that I just found really fascinating. And, uh, it's not as big of a deal today, according to my roommate, um, there, the period of time where this was a bigger thing was she said was like more in the nineties. And so, um, it's, that's, these sort of activities have sort of like gotten either become much more dispersed or they have become a lot more concentrated in very, very specific activities rather than like, you can list it out like a list of places that where these sort of things happened in the past, because it was just so common. And so and so it's just I don't know, like overall, I just thought it was really interesting in how like I I love comparing and contrasting cultures. So that was another thing that I was comparing and contrasting. And I cannot believe that an anime as bad as Ikebukuro Westgate Park led me here. But it did lead me to this sort of interesting thing and aspect of Japanese culture that I probably wouldn't really have been exposed to until this year, likely with Tokyo Revengers. I probably would have looked a little more into it by then but I think also because of that I am able to appreciate Tokyo Revengers a little more because I think seeing sort of like what they do and how they operate might have confused me a little more if it wasn't for the fact that West Westgate Park has given me a little window of uh sort of these uh sort of the things that happen in Japan in regards to um in re- regards to these sort of activities so yeah so that is my second one. Uh Agnes, I know you uh watched that anime uh, that makes both of us, so it's okay. Um like were you also aware of the history and sort of like, you know, the of how how it works culturally already by the time you watched Ikebukuro Westgate Park or was that something that you learned later? I
2: don't know, it was something that I was fairly aware of at the time when I was watching uh Ikebukuro West Park because it was the novel that inspired the series dura Ra by Narita, oh. Yoga Narita. And I had watched dura Ra when it came out, like, what, 2008, 2009? So I was very familiar with the whole, like, color-coding of the gangs. And also, in general, when you read a lot of very, uh a lot of older Japanese manga, like Goku Sen that talks about the Yankee and delinquent culture. So when we were roping in together, like, Ikerubu, Ikebukuro, Ikebukuro, Westgate Gokusen um Tokyo Revengers and Durarara you kind of start seeing like the whole bigger picture of how the Japanese gang culture works and it's dra- it's drastically different from actually yakuza culture in itself because yeah, it's much more yes. recent rather than yakuza culture which stems back from the Edo period
0: Right. And um and you know what's funny is uh, so you make you, like I forgot that Drara is technically just yeah. a much, much, much better telling of sort of these. Oh
2: absolutely. It's only because Nari does a gut at writing. That's it. <laughs> Anything he touches, it's it's gut god-
0: <laughs> But it's like it's insane because when I watched Drara, I it never occurred to me that these are Gangs, and I never thought to research it. I don't know. Like, I, it's I guess-
2: because the way that Naruto writes it, and the and he also does this with a lot of his other works too, is that he weaves in like the supernatural component into it as well, and it feels less of a. Gang like an actual realistic gang fight, like how Ikebukuro is showcased. Like how mm. Ikebukuro talks about like drugs, talks about prostitutions, uh, talks about like people doing stunt videos and things like that, which is all very like realistic. Dora Ra focuses more on the supernatural aspect. I mean, you look at Shizuo, he literally picks up a stop sign or like a car and like hurls it towards Izaya. That's not very realistic. Right. Uh, you talk about Celty, who's a literal headless woman driving around on a bo- on a motorcycle. So the supernatural aspect takes away the focus of the gang culture and kind of makes it its own very unique world in Narita's eyes
0: okay that makes more sense because yeah I'm like I definitely like I watched her and that is like it never occurred to me to <laughs> research it because it, it was I was like now I'm wondering why because I'm like that is
2: literally yeah because like keto's like, uh Kido's gang is yellow colored uh yes, and then yeah. the yeah. and then because Mika- I think Bikage, the main character, his mm-hmm. game yeah. is blue. The doll uh, the dollars is blue. No, no no the dollars is not blue. Dollars is colorless. Uh, but some of the other characters belong to like the blue faction, yellow faction and things like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was like another faction where like they had zebras and like zebra yeah, and patterns yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, so I don't know. Like it just, but I think you're right. It's because the supernatural elements and how they, how he voted it together basically made me feel like it was a unique world rather than, oh, this is like something that is culturally inherent and part of Japan and. Is similar in a way to, uh, you know, American gang activities, but not really at the same time. And so, No,
2: it's more of like rebellious teenage gang activity rather yes. than gangs that are actually involved in true like drug cartel, human trafficking and things like that, which stems a lot also from mafia ties as well.
0: Yes, exactly. So it's it's just fascinating and it's really interesting. And I I know I'm saying it's fascinating and interesting, but I'm sorry that anime is really bad. So I will repeat it once again <laughs> that this is a silver lining that came out of it, but do not watch that show. Uh, Agnes will back me up on that. So yeah.
2: <laughs> I spent weeks pining for a change in the plot that would change the course of how the anime would work out because they actually omitted a Ton of stuff from the original content, but the anime never got there and it was absolutely flat. I had a friend who was watching it and he was saying, like, it was decent. And I was like, bro, you basically watch the same things as me. You have the same taste as me. How can you say it's decent?
0: <laughs> I am disappointed in you. I am
2: absolutely disappointed in you.
0: Uh, okay, well, those are uh, those are my two uh, picks at, for uh, anime that has had a sort of a more cultural element slash tint to it that made me either research things or just made me learn as I watched along. So uh, I will now pass it on to Isabel. Isabel, which anime has given you a window into Japanese culture that has either taught you as the episodes aired or, you know, made you do some more research just on your own in curiosity?
1: Yeah, the first one I want to start off with is Chihaya uh, Chihayafuru which is about <gasps> Karuta. Oh, ah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. A good one. <laughs> yeah, because I feel that it's just so Japanese that you cannot play that outside of Japan. So watching that show, it definitely you know, uh, was like a window into what I feel like high schoolers would play. And it's just so competitive. It's different than chess or shogi. Yeah, the other one I wanted to mention was Sangatsu no Lion, but that's... Um, but I decided on Oh, who's going to
2: follow up, yeah.
1: Because, yeah, because, you know, uh, shogi is very similar to chess, but we don't have anything like haruta. I can't think of a game, like I, playing cards, like normal cards. We can only, I can only think of poker no, or stuff cause like it's, that. No, mm-hmm.
2: because it's heavily rooted in Japanese poetry and literature. That's why it doesn't exist. Exactly. We don't have an equivalent like that in the US, or at least in Western culture.
1: Mm-hmm. And even if I want to start playing it, it's kind of hard because I don't understand Japanese. So one, you have to learn Japanese, and then two, you have to listen to the sounds um, and memorize pretty much a 100 of the cards that are in the deck and know each poem pretty much by heart. And I don't know, I just felt like watching that show, it it made me so interested in it, even though I can't play it. And then I was totally rooting for the characters on each side and not only that, the fact that it's a one-on-one battle, it's a mind battle as well and a physical battle. I feel like Chiara Furu really does, uh, really does do the game justice in terms of trying to highlight, you know, how the players feel and how, uh, clubs are formed and team spirit. So it feels like a sport. I like to, I like to call Chiara Furu as a sports anime to me because of its competitive nature. hmm
0: I think it's actually categorized as a sports anime in our like awards too. So,
1: <laughs> oh yes, okay, definitely then. Um, but yeah, not only that, it also has a lot of other Japanese cultures. So like when they do the competitions, uh, they have to wear you know traditional Japanese clothing, and yeah, mm-hmm. it's so exciting when uh, one of those characters she's so excited about dressing her teammates up. I feel like that's so special. Whereas the other teams kind of wear like, you know, their own t-shirts and team t-shirts and stuff like that. And I know you've you've seen it also, Gracie. What do you think about Chiara Fu in general?
0: I mean, I thought it. I, I do think it's an excellent piece of work. And it in the minute you mentioned it, I was like, I got flashbacks because I was so obsessed with Karata and learning about it that I actually made cards for myself, believe it or not. And like it, it was my senior year and it was like the last few months before we graduate. So things have calmed down significantly. This was like after we've already taken our tests, you know. And, uh, you know, our, our, AP exams, you know, our IB exams and stuff. And basically what I did was since obviously it, I do not speak or read Japanese. And so memorizing actual poems would be a lot harder, but I actually found like sort of mini like English poems that, that sort of fit the size of karata poems where it's just a few lines. And I printed them out and like, you know, made cards out of them and sort of like, tra- like Replace uh, which I know, like, this might be sacrilegious, and I do apologize if that is the case. Um, this is remember me in high school as a senior, but I wanted the sensation of the game of something so sport-like, that's also so entwined with literature. Um, and so I ended up creating all these, uh, English po- uh, English poem cards and teaching it to my classmates. And we would play them in our classes and we would have someone who reads it. And then we would like compete for it and like compete for the cards. And like one of my friends, um, she ended up rooming with me in my first year of college. She like there was one particular card that I was good at getting and she like she's really competitive. So she made it like a goal for herself to like recognize like when the line is going to associate with that car that I was good at. And it was just such a fun and like experience in regards to this as well as like something that's really like endowed in my memory now because of that. And so, so Chihayafuru means a lot to me, but I, I think you're absolutely right about Chihayafuru being a really big cultural anime. Um, and fun fact, uh, Karuta as a whole had a huge resurgence in Japan because of the manga and how uh, successful the story was at portraying this, uh, portraying this competition and what it means for Japanese culture. And I think I didn't really appreciate like the clothing, you know, like you discussed uh, in regards to the competition, Mm -hmm. competition until I, until I was an adult, AKA I was in college. And then that's when I, when I was rewatching certain things, I was like, Oh, there is significance for that as well. That I really appreciate now that I obviously didn't get the significance as much as, as a high school student. And I do, and it is really just, it's just so brilliantly done and it that is definitely another like segment of Japanese culture that is very unique to that country that is also so like poetic and beautiful at the same time and like maybe I'm just being dramatic but I do very much love literature as a whole and so that's why I am very invested in regards to what furu illustrates in its story and so um so yeah I think that's like such a good choice for you to point out
1: <laughs> Feel like you definitely took it a step further and you know getting your classmates on in on it too that's pretty amazing
0: yeah no that was really fun that that's a that's a memory I will have and I hope what I did was not wrong to turn it into like English poems but I just I I, I wanted that thrill you know just as much as Chihaya had that thrill in the competition the Carter Tuck competitions so yeah
1: <laughs> right definitely and yeah because uh one of my uh, one of my sister's friends brought her uh, the whole cards a deck, and unfortunately, that's been sitting there because neither of us can actually play. But she has it for her keepsake, so you know it'll just be there. So it would be fun to play that. But yeah, otherwise, I I just really like the way that the anime portrays also kind of like the poems themselves and kind of goes through the stories.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And wasn't it some of the poems were about like Japanese mythology as well? Was it like I think.
1: I think so. I can't speak to that. I didn't really do so much research into that. Agnes, do you have any more historical things about that? I only um, watched
2: like one or two episodes <laughs> on that, so oh. I, I I actually can't vouch for anything until I actually watch all three seasons. Ah,
0: uh, Come on, keep up with us, Agnes!
2: I'm, I'm so lazy. I say that as I've marathoned through so many other series within like a summer, so we'll see. <laughs> well, eventually we will get there, eventually.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I think um, on that note, though, with March comes in like a line, would you say it's similar in regards to it? Because shogi is also very, uh, you know, a-, a very deeply cultural Japanese, you know, competition as well. So
1: I definitely would say so as well. That's because I thought of that as another part of Japanese culture. I haven't played shogi myself, so I actually don't know how it works. And I don't know if you feel this way, but I. March Comes in Like a Lion doesn't really explain the game as well as Chiafuru does. Do you feel that way too? I or- agree.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I also I- feel that way even though I've I've watched like half of March Comes in Like a Lion and even though they try to explain it how shogi works in some of the episodes, I actually still don't understand it. Like there's a there's a very specific episode segment where Nikaido explains it to I think Momo.
0: Yes, and in, they like have, really... and there's like cute cats and stuff like and that. And I still yeah. don't understand
2: it. Like I still sit here and I'm trying to like parse like the information that he talks about to the actual competition videos that they have for Shogi and I actually still don't understand it. So I do agree that March comes in like a line does not really do the sport. Itself, justice, and explaining the intricacies of uh, swapping loyalties and stealing chess, like the the board pieces.
0: I am kind of curious though. Do you think maybe that is also the f- because shogi is just a lot more complicated?
2: I mean, if you can explain chess through the queen's bandit, uh, the queen's gambit, I don't think it should be complicating to explain it in an anime. Rather, although March comes in like a lion, seems to be focused more on the emotional part of Humans and the complicated relationships that uh, what's the main character's name? Ray, Ray. That Ray has with people and of himself and his relationship with Shogi. So I think there's less of an emphasis of actually explaining the story in converse to let's say like Chihayafuru, which is almost almost strictly a sports anime at this rate. Plus the character development and relationships.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I definitely March comes in like a line. Its theme is much more about yeah ray's relationship as a whole than it is about shogi itself but Chihayafuru, um the actual kotaruta competitions play a much 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 central right. much more central theme yeah
2: yeah cuz like the first season of march comes in like a lion is literally ray getting to know his, his neighbors that's basically it the first season and you just see glimpses of him like going to shogi competitions and winning or losing but really it's all just focused on the neighbors next door
0: Mm-hmm, yeah oh actually another thing that this does remind me of that i do think uh march come or like march comes in like a lion and chihai for a show is that both in karata and uh and shogi there's like these levels like these uh dons is the that mastery levels
2: yeah, yeah mastery levels yeah
0: yeah these mastery levels and people reaching them and essentially getting a formal title for it and that was really interesting for me because i don't think in typical sports, when I think of sports, like, because, uh, you know, karate they are... has it. Oh, karate can... has
2: it a lot. Uh, karate, like martial arts, they oh, definitely have tiers like okay, that. So okay. that's probably where it's a lot of it is built up upon. Okay, um, I'm not too familiar with chess in terms of like chess competitions if they do have tiers for mastery, but I do know that in Japanese culture, there is a pretty large significance for uh, mastery in terms of tiers okay. uh, for anything like sports um, and for artistry as well.
0: Okay, I might just be very unaware of the sports world to be completely honest, so I wouldn't be surprised if I'm completely wrong. I guess like I don't Ashogi and Karuta is just uh just a little because I've talked about this how the sports genre is not a genre that I naturally click with, so it's actually pretty unique for me to um, be as obsessed with Chihayafuru Furu as I was, especially in high school. But I think. But so, yeah, so I could be completely wrong in regards to this, but that was definitely another interesting thing that I found out that I was like, oh, I didn't think that would be something associated with something like uh, Shogi and Karuta and actually for those to be official titles and stuff like that. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a really good one. Um, Do you have another anime, Isabel, where, you know, it's piqued your interest or like, you know, taught you something about Japanese culture that you just never thought of before? (laughs)
1: yeah the second one i have is um i think this is very obvious but it's noragami um i really like the way
2: oh noragami's good
1: yeah how it like presents shinto shintoism and ideology
0: Uh, yes Mm -hmm. okay continue
1: (laughs) yeah no yeah in noragami you see kind of like the gods or kami kind of um in their human form and also i feel like in their purest form and you know that's what they're worshiped for and how they're uh you know if they're like the god of fortune, this is what they do, or um, for Yato, he's kind of a stray god, so he'll do anything, so I just like how they characterize um, these types of gods, and um, and then also just bringing to attention offerings and stuff like that, because when you visit Japan, I feel like uh, Shinto shrines are almost, uh, you'll definitely stop by a Shinto uh, Shinto shrine no matter where you are, even if you're in the m- middle of Tokyo, uh, Meiji Jingu oh, is a I big can vouch. One. Oh, yes. I can Have you? Been- definitely vouch. Please go. Yeah.
2: I went to. I visited Japan for a week during spring. Uh-huh. I can definitely vouch that there are shrines, like mini, like smaller ones, literally on the streets of Metropolis' uh, Tokyo. You can step outside. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Uh, a lot of the the big bazaars, like shopping, not shopping malls or department stores, but a lot of like the. Markets like fishery markets and stuff, they're all surrounded by shrines. Like, there's like one central shrine uh, near the sushimi fish market that's right off of Tokyo Bay.
0: Oh, that's really interesting. I because I haven't yeah. been to Japan, so yeah, that's really cool.
2: <laughs> like, you'll literally walk down the boulevard. Uh, they also have it in Kyoto too, the 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 big the biggest market in Kyoto. You can literally walk down the whole strip of the market. And then you'll find yourself either facing a small alley of a shrine or the largest shrine in this, in the area.
0: Do they have, um, offerings when, when you see the shrines?
2: Oh, yeah. They have the, it's, it's a whole temple. It's a whole ass temple. (laughs) It's a whole temple in the middle of there. It's all red. They got a Tory gate too. It's really interesting how it, like, fits into, like, the the busy streets of, like, Tokyo or, like, Kyoto or other really major cities.
0: Yeah, see, that's what I find fascinating is because it's the fact that it's able to meld in naturally with very, like, with something that is associated with something that's been so historically culturally relevant for ages in Japan with some with like updated like technologies and buildings and stuff like that. like I think that's just such a fascinating view to visualize in my head.
2: <laughs> I think it's also rather fascinating too, because Japan has a very interesting streak of nationalism in the rise of the nineteen hundreds. So I wouldn't be surprised if like the whole like preservation of shrines, in these big metropolises was because of that na- rise of nationalism to show like you know oh. we are Japanese this is part of our faith rather than like the way we're shrined in like the middle of nowhere next to uh, some country village right hmm because these shrines are huge they're not they're not uh they're not like something that's like dilapidated like you'll see in the corner of the woods. Like they're very well taken care of.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's really cool. Um, but yeah, Norigami, definitely with the Shintoism and the gods and the goddesses and stuff like that. In regards to, did you like start looking these things up on your own after the anime, Isabel? Or was it just like just something you were learning along as the anime was airing?
1: I think I was just learning more about it because I didn't know too much about the gods themselves or even the fact that they existed. So, or their names, right? Like I had the Shaman before but I watched the anime. So I feel like it was a good in, in, introduction or and then more of a deep dive into the culture as well.
0: What do you think about Shintoism, you know, just as a whole? Like, you know, like what what is it about it that's like so interesting or fascinating to you?
1: For me, I feel like it's kind of like the spiritualism behind it. Um, I'm personally Buddhist, so I kind of see it's kind of similar in a sense. And ah, okay. Yes, and then when I was visiting Japan at least I feel like uh I don't know why, but every time, like most of the stops in Kyoto were either at Buddhist temples or Shinto shrines. That was the most, those were the most fun things um, that I thought um, were for me at least visiting Kyoto. So, and then not only that, kind of the idea behind, I just really like the charms that they have too. Kind of like praying for like, you know, getting a good test score or for your pet or something like that, or, you know, good, uh, good health. I feel like that. Um, I believe in that a lot so the fact that the Japanese put it into um, little things that kids can keep or anyone else can keep and just believe in it spiritually uh, really connects to me mm-hmm.
0: out of curiosity then um since you know you said you are a Buddhist like what are you know what are some of the similarities I guess like you know because you did say like spirituality is a big deal and I I I know that spirituality is a big deal for both Shintoism and Buddhism, but it's like like what specifics about these two make them so what make them kind of related slash um so similar to each other at times?
1: That's hard to say because I wouldn't say Shintoism's really a religion in itself, um, okay, but I think just kind of like the space that they have um you know dedicated and like separate space for you know they also have priests you know that take care of the temples. Uh, shinto temples and stuff like that so mm-hmm. i feel like that's kind of similar I, I feel like the atmosphere also is very kind of like the idea of purifying yourself before entering a space which is very japanese right but you take off your shoes before you enter a house or something like that it's very similar so it's like rooted in um their culture and you know their daily lives which i don't experience much here other than in my own house so <laughs> I kind of like that familiarity and kind of um yeah I would say that's pretty much the only thing i i don't know if i have like other other things that are super super similar though
0: okay no, no no i am yeah yeah no it's fine i am just so curious because i can say that i grew up in a family that is not religious at all and so um also very likely due to the fact that um the country that my parents came from kind of made religion illegal and so um and so that just oh. sort of carries forward into uh you know the way that my parents grew up and thus how I grew up and um so it's always really interesting to me to um you know hear about uh, other people's religion and how it might even have similarities or differences to to these other Deeply cultural things Like uh, Shintoism In Japan So that was I immediately like Latched on to it Because I'm like Yes I'm very interested Please tell me <laughs> and so Yeah no Norigami is a really Really great show This is one show That we can uh, Recommend to people As a way to learn uh, To learn uh, An interesting Japanese cultural uh, Aspect While it being A good anime Actually uh, Isabel, The two anime You picked Are all really Really good Solid shows So good on you for that i guess like one last question for uh for noragami was um you know agnes uh, you know you watched noragami as well were some of the shintoism things that they were showing the anime stuff you all you already knew ahead of time or did you learn new stuff from the show as well yes and no i
2: think it's because by the time i was watching noragami there were already a lot of other animes that either featured Shintoism or talked about Shintoism, and then you have like a lot of Japanese video games that reference it too.
0: I see. Okay, that makes so sense. Like, <laughs> like
2: like like let's say the the video game Olkami on uh, Nintendo DS, that's entirely Shintoism. Oh. You start off as a, as a, a, a literal wolf spirit um, who's been blessed by the goddess Amaterasu.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> I remember that game. I, re- I, I just, I got I got an actual flashback because I obviously did not play it because I was not a video right, creator, so- <laughs> My best friend loved that game. That, my best friend in middle school at that time loved that game and she was an extremely good artist and she drew fan art of Okami All the time, and my favorite animal is a wolf to this day. And so I was enamored by her art because of that. And so I remembered this was a whole thing. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Okay, but. (laughs) I think, like, in terms of
2: Norigami, it's really heightened the the awareness of Shintoism and really brought a lot of attention because anime is more accessible than video games, I would say. Okay. Um, But it's definitely not the first, nor it's the last.
0: Yes, I absolutely uh, believe that as well. All right then. So those are Isabelle's And uh, what about you, Agnes? Um, which anime has, uh, or I guess maybe you know we've discussed some of the ones you know that you can actually sp- that you can actually speak to already. But um, you know, what other anime have you seen that you that has either like taught you something about Japanese culture or made you sort of look into it more?
2: It's really hard to say because after watching anime for so long, everything kind of like molds together. All the information of like each of the different series and then all the interpretations of how they take things of Japanese culture kind of like blends itself together. So I don't really know of a show that made the biggest impact on me or has made me even more curious to go look it up. Mm -hmm. But I will say that I think the show that really started off me excited about Japanese culture, I think it was Bleach, because at the same time that Bleach came out, there was a huge surge of people being interested in katanas, in addition to katanas now being featured in video games Mm. so I was, so most of my friend group growing up in middle school and high school were just weeps so people who play video games and people who watch anime and so katana is like the staple that you see anyway if you're if you have a character wielding a katana you know for sure they're the badass of the series like they're, <laughs> they're not they're not gonna go unnoticed and so as a result i think when i started watching bleach i was like wow this is such a cool weapon it's very different from like medieval weapons um very different in structure very different in style and functionality I actually started drawing a lot of them when I was in middle school so that shows uh that shows a very weebish side of me. Okay, I'm but really bleach in makes
0: those weapons look so effing cool so I don't <laughs> it really them.
2: does, yeah. You look at it you're just like, "Man, I want my own Zanpakuto. That exactly. was as crap. And so like around that same time it's like there's a huge rise of like people going out to like Chinatowns in their biggest cities and buying from those cheap knockoff Chinese stores. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so that that was a very interesting time period, but I think that was probably the earliest memory I had of actually being interested in Japanese culture. Not to mention like the whole shinigami concept and the fact that they're wearing the their 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 outfits, the shinigami uniform. I mean, it's based off of the kimono. So, you look at it and you're just like oh, this is interesting. It doesn't look Western. It doesn't look uh, anything close to my own culture in that regard, too. So you kind of start looking into it, too.
0: Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think, like, katanas, we're sort of used to seeing them now in anime and in video games, but you are right, because katanas are probably one of the, like, most historically and culturally relevant weapon of Japan like, you know, with how it's made and how important it was. Because it wasn't until, like, I, I will mention it in a later episode where we talk more about Japanese history and anime that sort of dives into that. But um, I didn't realize how personal of a weapon it was until, like, I started realizing that historical figures in Japan Literally named their katanas like it was more than just a blade that they were using to fight on the battlefield It was like it was something personal to them Which is you know kind of like how the katanas are utilized in bleach and so and so it's just it's I'm really glad you pointed that out because it is such an important part of Japanese history and culture and um and maybe it's but it's something that sometimes we just tend to forget because of how often we see it until we like remember and it's like oh no this is like this is really deep and really really a a big deal so
2: (laughs) and people can say like well that's not the oldest form of like japanese exposure that the west have gotten because like we've gotten things like karate we have geishas Mm -hmm. and things like that Mm -hmm. but the reality is is like katana's only made mainstream because they were featured in cool characters there's actually not a lot of anime regarding karate or like judo or kendo is more popular but even then it's still very niche and the same thing goes for like geisha related stories or geishas even being featured in anime so katanas being like the biggest splash in action anime was what drew in a lot of people into wanting to learn more about japanese culture and that's like early
0: 2000s so you know you're pointing out all these great stuff like you know with geishas and other deeply uh uh, you know cultural aspects of japan not getting featured as much why is that though because like you know the minute you mention geishas i'm like huh you know what yeah they're not commonly seen in my opinion even it's because karate you know (laughs) it's
2: because it's fetishism
0: Oh. A lot
2: of it ties into fetishism, uh, the, the, the Asian uh, yellow fever, and also oh. the fact that what? a lot of America's past is fairly marred with Japanese history as well because of World War II and mm-hmm. our very complicated relationship with Japan. And as a result, these things like geishas and karate kind of become like an era specific Okay. Uh, iconography. Okay. Like geishas is very specific to the West in terms of like um, exposure during like the Meiji period because that's when the West started coming into Japan, and then karate became more, or at least like Japanese martial arts became more prevalent in the in the eighties, uh, when Japanese uh, masters started uh, teaching worldwide. Uh, But then afterwards, it kind of like dies down a little bit because people aren't so much interested now in the Japanese culture, but also more interested in the Japanese electronics that come out of it. Uh, This is very much of a, sorry, this is very much now going into Japanese history because I had to learn this for my class. Um, (laughs) But it's now part of the Japanese, it's the new Japanese soft core power. And through electronics like Panasonic, Sony, things like that, now they start introducing video games and anime, which ties in more of the Japanese culture and becomes more of a wider phenomenon.
0: Okay, that's really interesting, but also quite unfortunate, though not surprising, about specifically the geishas, Uh, I hope that... Actually, I do think there was an anime that was airing this year about geishas, but it didn't make... Yes,
2: the Maiko one. The Maiko... Did you watch that one? I read the manga. It's very cute.
0: (sighs) I'm so sad because the anime basically, like, I don't even know if people are aware of the fact that the anime was out because it aired No, I think
2: it's... I think it's also because they're, like, shorts... They're not necessarily oh, long episodes. Okay, yeah.
0: okay, that makes sense. Uh, but yeah, so that that's uh, so I do hope like more geisha stories do come out because it is a really important part of Japanese history and culture to this day, and very very fascinating as well. Um going back to the katanas real quick. Um, so Isabel, you know, I know you also watch Bleach as well, were you making your own uh, katanas too? Uh, uh, to <laughs> or buying them from
2: <laughs> Chinese stores off of Chinatown. <laughs> I
1: know. No, yeah. I go to Japantown and I do stare at those stores still, i'm um, to be honest. Yeah,
2: you feel like you wanna own one. Oh, you yeah. wanna buy it. Like, I still do. <laughs> right
1: outside the store in like a bucket and I'm like, I want one and <laughs> I, like, I don't know why I want one, but then I also know I'm not going to use it. So, uh, But I would agree, yes, Bleach has had an influence on me. I think it's probably that Bleach talking in the back of my head, yes, you want a sword and you want to say Bankai with it. So, bankai! Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I feel like
2: it has more of an impact compared to like Naruto, only because Naruto is like a different spin on what we know of for ninjas. Yes, yes. Versus Bleach is like completely different world with a cool weapon.
0: It's exactly. strange because I almost feel like before Naruto, ninjas were already a pretty popular thing in the West. Like when people think of ninjas and stuff like that. So you're right. The reason why Naruto was different was it was another take on it where people were really bright flashy clothing and it was like yeah. the whole system it wasn't some espionage it wasn't so much espionage as it is like more superhero work and stuff like that so um but yeah no also another thing that I did want to point out that you said that I, I like didn't even think about until now was the fact that like their clothing the shinigami clothing were kimonos and I was like well duh I, like it seems so obvious now but it was like but you're right in that it probably did form a lot of like things in the back of our head about understanding more on Japanese culture, such as the kimonos and the katanas. And then it just carried forward as more and more anime came out and, you know, more and as more and more anime became accessible. So also funny note on, uh, on Isabel with your katanas, the bucket thing, you just want one. I just want to say it's it's because you just feel the power inside and you feel Uh. like you can get it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You really do feel the weight when you pull one out. Like when you pull it out of the the sheath, mm-hmm. you do feel the weight. It's yeah, yeah. it's heavy. Yeah. It's a heavy weapon.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, uh, Agnes, do you have another one, or is that would you? I say, do. Like, your-
2: I do have one more. I, I had I had to think about it a lot today because I'm just like everything blurs together. What do I not remember? And I think the one series that really actually piqued my interest the most in terms of Japanese history okay. was actually from an otome series called really? Haku shi- Haoki Shinsengumi.
0: <gasps> okay, yes, I remember us talking about it. <laughs>
2: yes, we, we talked about it on the show. But I think what was the most striking is that Haoki Shinsengumi at the end of the first of the two seasons is less of an otome game and more about a retelling of a very controversial police force in Japan. Mm. And they're very famous that they, that the, the hao, the Shinsengumi group spans so many different series like Peacekeeper, Kurogane, their feet, their main characters in Gintama and all these things. And you know them by just looking at the Haori they wear. It's a very distinct Haori. And so I remember like thinking about it back then and the Shinsengumi, uh, era ended up becoming like one of the biggest center points of how i match everything together when it comes to the japanese timeline
1: oh because the, okay. because the
2: at uh, the fall of the shinsengumi is the fall of the Bakufu, which means the start of the meiji revolution so from there i used it as so for a lot of the history that i started accumulating from watching anime and also reading on my own time starts from Hawaki and starts to stem off from it. Like, how is it in relation to this? Why was it developed, etc. And I started building like this timeline in my head of how Japanese history generally looks like.
0: I wish I was that smart. Unfortunately, I was just rolling over the guys. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, at the time, at the time I definitely was also really over the guys too. Don't get me wrong. But I think that was like the earliest impression of me thinking to myself, like Japanese history is actually interesting. Because a lot of other Japanese, like, theme stories, especially during the Edo period, is so niched. And it doesn't really explain a lot of the politics that goes on. Um, Like, let's let's say, for example, one of the biggest series that we probably know of in, um, that takes place in a quote-unquote, like, a Japanese historical setting is, like, Samurai Mm Shampoo. Right. But we don't really meet the big characters that contribute to the creation of Edo or the characters that were involved in like the uh, the Sengoku wars. You hear more about it if you play like Sengoku Basara or things like that or you watch anime that talk about the um, the Heian period and things like that, but you don't really hear much about it and really understand how complicated Japan's entire history is. So that's why I thought Haoki was really interesting. And then from there, Haoki also stemmed my love for Golden Kamui. So that's probably very relevant,
0: too. Oh, that's a big deal, guys. I
2: don't know <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very big deal. I'm saving that for our history podcast.
0: That's a big deal because everything about Agnes is Golden Kamui. So we've got
2: <laughs> Everything about my entire identity is Golden Kamui. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, man. I do want to uh, make one final note as a whole. But I think how, how, how he is like such a good example of it is how intersected that history and culture is, because culture is often created through history. And so like, you know, we are things that are happening right now today can will become history. But ultimately become embedded into the idea of an actual culture. And so I think overall, just sort of the relationship between history and culture and how interconnected they are is just a really, really fascinating thing. And um, and Hakuoki shows it. um, Exactly.
2: Yeah, they show it in two seasons. Like, you just watch the two seasons and you see how much Japan has changed and influenced what the future generation looks like. I mean, without the Meiji Revolution, we wouldn't have Demon Slayer. We wouldn't have the era that Demon Slayer is in. We wouldn't have the eras of like the the really cool like officer boys in like the, the Japanese Imperial Army kind of thing. All of that stems from the Meiji Revolution and from the efforts of the Shinsengumi and the major characters around it too.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And and they're, and the character, I mean, not the characters, they are characters in the anime, but, um, the actual historical figures themselves are also cultural figures now because exactly. yeah, Yeah. And so it's just, it's just really fascinating. Um, but yeah, I think that is a good way for us to round off this episode. I hope everyone listening had a really fun time, um, you know, hearing about these cultural things that stood out to us of these, uh, particular anime, how it's influenced us to understand Japan more as well as, you know, sort of sort of do our own research And, you know, share with us anime that has taught you guys about Japanese culture or made you look into Japanese culture as well. Um, We know there's a lot of anime out there that does that. So we'd be really curious to see what everyone else thinks of it. But yes, I hope you guys enjoyed our episode this week. And I hope you'll be with us next time. Bye, everyone.
1: Bye -bye. Bye.